Marguerite Crispillo with Real Estate Real World, and I'm very honored today to have a delightful guest uh, by the name of Beth Kang. Uh, Beth Kang is the Executive Director of Homemade Sacramento, and gosh, they just do some really amazing things. They, they happen to be the charitable arm of the North State Building Industry Association, and Beth has served as HomeAid's Executive Director since 2011, and she's going to tell us a lot about the stuff that they've been doing and some actually super secret exciting projects coming up that we're going to be one of the first to hear about, so I'm excited. So welcome, Beth. Oh, thank you, Marguerite. It's a pleasure to be here to have you today. today. Oh, great. It's, it, this is a, I, I enjoy um, talking about what HomeAid does. Yeah, they do some amazing stuff. You know, I had not really heard too much about you guys until just recently when a good friend of ours, Colin Rowe, introduced us. And I'd heard a little bit about it and some of the stuff, but you guys do some amazing things. So why don't you just tell us tell us a little bit about you and Homemade and, and what you guys do. Well, all right. And I will give a, a, a bit of a shout-out to Colin Rowe, who is on our board of directors for Homemade Sacramento. And he's been um, very helpful to Homemade and to, to me, making sure that I'm connecting with the broader community uh, in the Sacramento region. So my background, uh, Marguerite, is, and for your listeners, is I have a background in nonprofit uh, administration and uh, programs that have been in Sacramento since 1986. I have a long history in the community, and I've worked both in the um, with nonprofit called Rural Community Assistance Corporation, which really gave me my background in affordable housing, which gives me um, a good foundation for my work with Homemade Sacramento. And one of the other things that I've done is I've worked in the association community with the American Water Works Association. So I have an understanding of the relationship between a charity uh, of choice for an organization that is a membership-based organization. We are um, – so I, I, I'm so excited because I get to use my skills um, in both the association world and nonprofit and have learned so much about our community in the process I've been with HomeAid since um, 2011, and I'm almost going to be finishing my third year. And HomeAid's mission is really um, embodied in the phrase of building new lives for Sacramento's homeless. And our organization represents the home building industry, and we've been in existence since 1996. And we just went through a strategic planning process with our board of directors that we're just wrapping up. And one of the biggest emphasis and things that is we really came away wanting to reinforce is the notion of building dignified buildings for people to rebuild their lives. So our primary contact in the community is working directly with nonprofit homeless and um, services providers, uh, individuals that provide, organizations that provide services for our area's homeless. 
And you know, I was, I was reading through. Oops, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. Um, I was reading through the brochure, and I saw some kind of really interesting statistics that I wanted to make sure we brought up. And one of them said that families are the fastest group, fastest growing group of homeless, and make up approximately one third of the homeless people. That was so shocking to me. And then the next one is California has the highest homeless population in the nation with 360,000 people on the streets or in shelters. And in the Sacramento region alone, the number of homeless people exceeds the number of emergency shelter and transitional housing spaces. It's just it's just shocking to me. And, you know, I think with the families part especially, you know, we went through such a such a horrible chain of events with, you know, the financial crisis and the housing crisis over the last few years. <clears throat> and I think that sometimes people don't realize how close they really are to being in that same boat. And so I'm just really inspired by what you guys are doing in that arena. Well, just a quick backdrop so that I focus really on, on the statistics that you gave because it's really certainly about the people. What we really are able to do is to use the skills and talent of the home building industry to provide services and knowledge to build, maintain, and improve shelters where families and individuals can rebuild their lives. And in doing so, we've really learned quite a bit about the organizations that work with the homeless and every organization that works with the homeless in, in our region does account every month um, in their records about how many individuals and families that they turn away. For example, in Sacramento County, there are only two um, shelters that provide services to keep families together um, in a 30-day period of emergency shelter. And I am aware of one family that we interviewed last year, a father, mother, and a son. And because they could only stay in the family shelter together one month, the father made a really tough decision to have his wife go to another shelter with their son, and he went back out on the street until they could go back into the family shelter again. Oh. So that really brings it home in terms of what's going on in the community. And the um, statistic that I heard the most recently was that most of the shelters turn away 250 individuals every month. And, um, and sometimes it's a lot more. And of course, California, because of the weather, um, uh, in large part has more homeless than a lot of other states in, in the nation. So we try to really give the the home um, the the nonprofits the help them save the money they need to offer the programs and services and beds to uh, to families and individuals in the community. So help me understand a little bit about what you guys do. It, it, the way I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that many of the builders um, donate not only money but they also donate you know products or services or things like that to help rebuild some of these homes is that the way i understand yeah. it yes it's a very interesting model um i uh, am working diligently with our board to get um more education and understanding in the community about how we work it's very different um 
we'll have, uh, for example, on a project for the um, for Volunteers of America Senior Safe House, and this was before the economy, um, the economic downturn, that we had um, a, a home builder who came in and actually built from the ground up a six-bedroom facility um, to house seniors uh, for Volunteers of America in a safe house, again, and protecting them from elder abuse so they can get back on their feet. And when we started the project with both Mercy Housing and then with Volunteers of America to operate it, we went in and, con and connected with the builder, and the builder then begins to ask the trades and the um, suppliers that they use to donate labor and materials. And in instances where they can't give us a 100% donation, it's really up to them and how busy they are and what they have going on. Then we'll start with a, um, a retail budget for the total cost of the project. And then it's almost a give and take. And I guess I would call it maybe let's make a deal. Can you give me? Um, some labor and I've got somebody else that can donate the paint and we'll put things together and then we will we will write down the cost as we go of that project. So homemade really does a lot of deal making within the home building industry to provide support and services to them. We promise um, that we can do a project that's a, a major build, and for us a major build is a, is a half a million dollars, um, but we sometimes do more and, and most of the time less. But what happens is we will try to, we'll give you um, a budget of say $130,000, which is what we did with the 31 bedrooms most recently for St. John's uh, program for real change. And we actually were able to do the entire project for um, $70,000. And that meant that the difference was, um, what, I guess I'm not a real good at it, $60,000. So a $130,000 project that Homemade promised, we, we were able to do for $70,000. Um, and that sometimes... Some of the builders and suppliers will come in and they'll donate everything. Other times they need to do it at cost. Well, you know, the good old barter system, I think, has been around since the beginning of time. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the, well, the best ways to get things accomplished many times when you have, you know, several people who might not have the financial resources but can certainly donate time, money, and, you know, time and energy. Absolutely. And we do – See, a lot of times, as soon as the builder um, gets involved, they'll they see the people that are being served. They'll see the need. Maybe the shelters. Many of the shelters in Sacramento are are old um, and need a lot of repair. And in 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 that, they'll they'll get involved in the situation. And the more involved they get, the bigger their heart gets. And uh, we've seen people donate. Um, there was a painting. Um, uh, company, um, actually it was Heckman Construction that was involved in the project that Kay Hovnanian Homes did with St. John's, they donated almost um, $10,000 worth of labor to that project to get, the, to get it painted. Um, so, and they had started out saying that they would do it maybe for 5000 So 
we see a lot of um, deals and bartering and um, investment in a project going on. In, and now we're at 65 projects that we are working on or have completed since 1996. And that's just amazing. You know, when you say it touches your heart, I was reading through the brochure that you sent me, and, you know, it tells the story of the young woman, Michelle Scott, you know, who was home, left an abusive relationship, four children, to come to St. John's Shelter for Women and Children. And, you know, now, of course, she's gotten her life back on track. She's a professional cook, and not only is she able to take care of her family, but she's mentoring other women who are in the same situation, and I just think that that's so inspiring. Well, we, you know, it's interesting. Homemade um, every year gives out Builder of Hope Award, and when you see someone who takes their own life story and begins to turn that into hope, for women who have been through the same things and walked through the same experiences, it's a real beacon um, or role model for them because they've been in that situation. And um, we see people and individuals like that everywhere we go, and it's it, it's um, that's one of the, the the most wonderful parts about about my job and um, for the people that are involved and volunteer with homemade. Yeah, I was reading, too, on here about um, Michelle Steeb, who's the CEO of St. John's, and she was saying that every month that they have to turn away over 250 women and children mm-hmm. because, you know, their facility can only handle so many. And, you know, I, I've shared this before, but I remember as a, a young child, my mom was a single mom growing up, and there was a, a brief time when we were staying in a communal home, kind of I guess it would have probably been something like St. John's where she was leaving a bad relationship. And I remember the people there just being so warm and inviting, and it it's, makes me sad to think that there's just not enough places for people to go when they're in. And we were only there a couple weeks, but sometimes that's all somebody needs is a few days, a couple weeks, something to get you know, their feet on the ground and, and be able to get moving. Oh, and I think that's, that's very true, Marguerite. And one of the things about the couple that I told you were the, that the father made the decision to go back out on the street. At the point in time where we were able to meet and talk with them, they now have an apartment and he has a job. And the way that they came about, their situation was somebody stole his truck. And so he couldn't carry on his business because he didn't have any transportation. He couldn't do his work because of some unforeseen circumstance. And that really goes back to what you said in the beginning. People find themselves in these circumstances for, um, it's not always about somebody who just simply chooses not to um, make the right choices. It's oftentimes it's a combination of things, and and it often does start with that job loss, or or an illness, um, or a, a veteran coming back to to a country after serving um, in in a uh, you know in some capacity in a, in one of our armed forces. Yeah, it's I I think that sometimes people do think that it's simply uh, you know a matter of poor choices, but. I know full well that in the real estate industry um, over the last few years with the crisis, there have been people who had put maybe two or $300,000 down on their home and thought that they were set. And when that value of that home dropped to, 
you know, more less than half of what they'd originally paid for it, they not only lost all their equity, but in some situations, you know, they were part of the construction business, so now they've lost their job. And, you know, all these kind of spiraling events, it could easily be any one of us at any time. It 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 could, and the what we see too is that most of the organizations that homemade um, board of directors decide the projects that we take on, on, most of the organizations are plugged into a very strong network of job skills um, and retraining and um, and working on getting that um, either permanent or um, transitional housing. So that, for example, both Weave and um, St. John's and, and also um, the Parker Avenue Family Shelter that an organization called Next Move runs, they are all tied to women's empowerment. They work with organizations like Mercy Housing or Sacramento Mutual Self-Help Housing. They really work to try to find the next step in that person's um, getting back on their feet. So so people are not just being parked there. If they want the help, it's there for the if, if they ask or they seek it out, they're being given that resource as a lifeline. It's still not easy, but there is a, a great fabric of social support within our within our region. So that kind of leads me into this uh, new project that you had yes. mentioned a little bit earlier that I'm actually very excited to hear about this. So tell us about the newest one you guys got going on. Well, you know, um, we look at temporary homelessness within the homemade um, Sacramento's leadership as um, very broad um, in the sense that if you have a critically ill child or family member or um, someone who's going through treatment, if you live in, um, let's say, Reading, and you need to be at UC Med Center or one of the hospitals in the region, um, very oftentimes that um, housing need that you have to worry about when you're going through some sort of a, a critical uh, illness or treatment can put you in a tailspin. And that would be... It, but the thing that we really have seen and have started to plan because of, of that is we're working with the Ronald McDonald House Charities. They have two buildings on their property at UC Med Center's campus um, in Sacramento. And they have a space, um, and that space is going to be used um, the ground um, for a brand-new 20-bedroom facility so that they can really double their capacity. And Homemade's very excited to be involved in that project. The groundbreaking is July 10th, and we're working on that project with the new home company as our builder captain. And we are working in partnership with Roblin Construction, a commercial construction uh, business. And by the time we're finished, there will be a $4 million facility with 20 new um, bedrooms to house people who are facing that particular dilemma. So we're just, we couldn't be more thrilled to be a partner with, with both um, Ronald McDonald House Charities for this and with Roblin Construction. You know, that is so exciting to me because um, in 1997 we had a son named Jordan and he was diagnosed with a disease called adrenal leukodystrophy and we were forced to go to the University of Minnesota. And 
of course, we had to uproot our whole family and our whole life and household and go there and live there for six months while our son went through a bone marrow transplant. And uh, at the time, we were not able to stay in the Ronald McDonald House because it was full. Um, But they were so wonderful and gracious in helping us find alternative services. And, and, you know, we were able to get an apartment and a number of other things. But that Ronald McDonald House is a lifesaver for so many families because I think one of the things people don't think about is, for us, we had our home and our whole life and everything that we had to take care of, and then we had to go get another location as well um, where our son was being treated. So we're paying for two households and attempting mm-hmm. to, to work and keep our livelihoods and everything else. And many families, it's just impossible. You know, Maybe the husband is working, the wife is staying with the child, or they're having to alternate. Somebody has to give up their job if if they're both working. And the Ronald McDonald House is just an amazing organization that supports that. So I think that's amazing what you guys are doing with that. It's definitely needed, um, not only here, but across across the country for sure. I I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that each of us have a story and, um, excuse, excuse me, something some situation that we ourselves or someone we know that's very close to us exactly. who can identify with any of the challenges that we've been talking about here this afternoon. It's um, And so, again, I, I feel very privileged to be able to work on behalf of a group of volunteer leaders um, within the business community that really want to do their part to provide dignified places for families to get back on their feet and rebuild their lives. So tell me what my listeners or people that are not involved with BIA can do to support this, your guys' ventures and support the organization and what you guys are doing? What can we do to help? Oh, that that's a great question. Um, we have um, at least four times a year and also on an as-needed basis, we have what we call Painting a Better Tomorrow events or care projects where we will work with an organization in a period of four, usually four hours on a Saturday morning, and we will go out and maybe paint um, uh, the interior, the exterior, depending on the weather of the project. Um, We did my sister's um, house, which is a safe house for um, the Asian, Asian women in our community. And we had about 30 volunteers. Some were from the building industry. Some were from uh, other businesses. Uh, we've done things with Davida Dialysis, their their staff. Uh, we've also worked with um, out-of-school youth on projects. So we have a l- number of ways that people can get involved and also reach out to us about providing volunteer opportunities for places like I mentioned, the Senior Safe House. They can't cook in their facility for um, a number of reasons, for licensing requirements. The people can come in and cook cook a meal and bring a meal or bring them cookies or help them with their landscaping. So we've got a number of ways that people can do that. And, of course, like all nonprofits, we like to um, be in a position to show people where their dollars go so if they do contribute financially to us we have that um, option as well. But we like to find ways that people in the community outside the home building industry can get involved. And we are always open to new ideas about how to make that happen. And, and there's some lists of those things actually, Marguerite, on our website. 
And we'll be posting the link to your website on our website at marguerite.crisvillo.com. So we'll post all the information when we post this podcast as well. So if anyone has any interest in supporting or helping Homemade, they'll easily be able to access the information. Oh, we love that. And I'd like to put in a, a little a little pitch for our um, annual fundraiser, signature fundraiser, Friday, August 22nd. We have a trap shoot where we, ha- we expect to have about 400 people. It's our 11th annual trap shoot. And we are, have 65 teams who come out and participate in that competition and help us raise funds um, for the projects that we work on throughout the year. Oh, wow, how fun. And, and is that information yeah. available on your website as well? It is, and it's uh, the 11th Annual Trap Shoot, and it shows uh, right on the home page. And we're also looking for volunteers. You don't have to shoot. You can come out for the day, um, help with registration, um, be a runner between registration and the scoreboard, um, help with the raffle, participate. We have, we should, it, it'll be a lot of fun. And it's at oh, um, Concrete. Yeah, it's it's at the Coon Creek uh, Trap and Skeet Club just outside Lincoln. Oh, that's oh, that's just right local here too, not too far away. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for taking the time today out of your busy schedule. We really appreciate you being on our podcast, and I definitely look forward to getting more involved in some of the projects you guys are working on. I think it's really cool. It's a great a great way to give back. Well, we I appreciate the opportunity very much to, to share what it is we do, and we'll look forward to working both maybe with your own company, Marguerite, and also with your listeners. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and have a fantastic day, everybody. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye, Beth.